Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 241 of Yoga Land. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. So I have been telling you that I've been thinking about a new top of the show kind of thing where I explicitly state like, this is a podcast where you can, where we talk about blah, blah, and blah. And I was listening to another podcast today and I just, her things were so broad. I admire her for how broad it was like, this is a podcast about pop culture sage wisdom and and, everything else and so i'm like maybe our podcast should be like this is a podcast about our chihuahua getting a haircut and the art of teaching yoga um maybe i don't know i don't know it's tough guys it's tough if you want to send in your ideas of the three things it would be like this is a podcast about one two and three you can send them to me and i can I could read them all out and maybe it would be funny. Maybe you would have funny ideas. Maybe you would have good ideas. I'm talking group think here that Jason's looking at me like I'm crazy because this is uh, you off know the why? cuff. No, it's not that it's off the cuff. It's that I think you know what this podcast is. I totally do. But You've I still think it for it, a while. I know, but I still think it would be fun to get the audience's view of what it is and what what it could be. Okay. So I'm putting it out there. Put it out there. You can send it to support at Jason Yoga. You know Jason anything Yoga. you want. I read this. Anything you want in life. You just put it out there. You read that? Yeah. On a fortune cookie? I read that in, um, I think it was a quote at the bottom of a Instagram photo of someone pressing a handstand. <laughs> that, that person, they didn't do anything. They just put it out there. They just put it out there. They just okay. put it out there. I'm going to apologize ahead of time on this podcast because I am getting over a rotten cold and I'm coughing a bit. But you don't sound bad. Just so you know, like you don't, we were talking about this no, yesterday, I, you don't yeah. sound amazing. I don't ever sound, I sound glorious. You sound amazing. Uh, you know, the other day Sophia heard our recorded voices and looked at me and said, mom, your voice sounds different on a podcast. Huh. Yeah. We, have, we always have different intonation and inflection. Sure. I mean, we, t- we try not to. You know, I try not to have yoga teacher voice or whatever that is, but I do. It just happens. It just happens. So I want to just jump in, and I know you want to talk about one thing before I do, but I want to say what this podcast is about before we, we get this started. This current podcast. This current podcast. Yeah. We've been a bit all over pl- the place in our intros lately. So this current podcast, what we're going to talk about today are the big picture reasons that we still practice yoga. You still practice yoga? I do. Me too. Yeah. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. And it's changed a lot for me. Quarter of a century. Wow. Yeah. 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 We're going to talk about that. Yes. And and this is, it's really easy to talk about because if someone says, well, why do you still practice yoga after 25 plus years? The answers to me are explicit, overt, and obvious. Right. Yeah. So So we'll talk about those in a moment. But first, speaking about yoga practice. I am creating a little Yoga Land branch extension where we are going to continue to publish Yoga Land podcast as is, maybe with a new intro. We'll see. But it's going to continue to stay as is. By next year, we will have a video format option. So you'll still be able to listen to us. But if you want to. I'll have to do my hair ahead of time. I know. I'll have to shave. I'll have to do like. Although my hair looks pretty good today. I know. And I kind of have like a little zit and i have to film some stuff later it's bumming me out yeah okay but anyways so you're gonna have a video option for our your yoga land podcast i say our because i'm on it a lot but it's it's your brainchild 
But what I've wanted to do for so long is Yoga Land Yoga Practice Companion, where every week, if not more, so we'll have many more episodes, every week, if not more, we have somewhere between a 10 and 20 minute additional podcast that's just about practice. It's just about tools, techniques, and what I'm really thinking about it is my goal for it is to be clear, concise, expert-level, nuanced thoughts about certain aspects of practice. So actionable. Actionable. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be a lead practice. You still, my lead practices are still on Glow and my trainings are via us, but it's going to be an opportunity. And I've said this to you before, there's so many opportunities where you and I end up talking about triangle pose or warrior one, and I'm verbally describing, okay, what you would do here is you would reach the arm, blah, blah, blah. So we've already, both of us have said blah, blah, blah. Now it's been a total of six times. Really? Yeah, because you did blah, 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 and I did blah, blah, blah twice. And now we're just That's multiplying. 12. That's anyways. But there's been so many opportunities where I've wanted to just show it. And also where I want to be able to, I, I learned a lot about publishing and editorial from you. I've always wanted to have these sidebars. Mm. But you know, I hate writing. I really, really, really dislike writing. It takes me forever. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But I don't mind talking. And so being in front of a camera, now that we have a fully equipped, really awesome film studio, we can do this stuff. And I think it's going to be so helpful. And so the first thing that we're going to do, what, I, what I'm actually filming now, is a little companion to our last conversation about podcasts. And I'm, excuse me, our last conversation about backbends. And we're going to look at five different ways to modify bridge and Urdhva without using props. Cool. So we're going to look at leg position, hand position, whether the heels come up or go down. There's one more thing I want to say about it, but one of my goals of this is to be ecumenical, is to not come down with a single party line conclusion about any particular detail, but to be able to look at a pose or look at a region of the body, assess what's happening, and then give people different options to experiment. I, I really, I'm just so tired, even in the yoga world via social media, of things being, it's either A or B. Yeah. B's wrong, it's got to be C. Instead, I want us to look at A, B, and C, see what the rational parameters are for those, and then give you the opportunity to experiment with them. So, we will have that up and available. People will be able to listen to it just audio only via where they currently listen, where they're listening to this. But on our YouTube channel and on our hopefully on our site as well, you can watch the video option. Oh, yeah. You'll definitely... I'll figure it out for the site. Okay. For sure. So, okay. Andrea, why do you do yoga still? Ah, it's been a long you're gonna time. You're going to start with me. I was Your hamstrings you. are already super flexible. Why not quit? <laughs> Why do I still do yoga? I still do yoga. Did you have so many tights? You still have so yeah, there's that. So much yoga there's that clothing. issue. There's that issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was looking at this topic more as what has yoga done for me lately? Sure. Sure. You can take it that way. <laughs> and I will say that I think the one of the big reasons... And I started this list and then I just, it can go on forever. So I'm really trying to edit myself right now. But one of the big reasons, and this is going to on the surface level, sound very cliche, but I, I promise I will expand on it. 
It's to remember to be present. And to practice being present, right? To practice being present. Yeah. And I will just tell a quick story, which is that when I started my 200-hour teacher training in, you know, many years ago with Sarah Powers, I had been practicing yoga for, I don't know, two or three years, pretty, you know, dedicated. And yet I still felt a pretty deep sense of anxiety all the time. It was just this, sometimes it was high level anxiety, but it was really kind of simmering low level that I wasn't even aware of. And I remember sitting with Sarah Powers one day while she was teaching and she talked about, and she actually brought, these words came out of her mouth often. The reason we do these practices is so that we don't miss the present moment. And I remember in my mind when she would say those words over and over again, thinking to myself, what does that even mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I know, I, I look out the window, I see the clouds, I breathe this air, I see my friend sitting next to me, but maybe I'm not happy in this moment. Maybe I want to be planning the next moment. And, you know, I I think back on that and it makes me really sad that I lived that many years of my life. I was in my late 20s when she was saying this to me, that I lived that many years of my life not really being able to relax into the present moment. So you don't think it was that it was easier for you to be present then? And the guidance of we do this to be present was less relevant to you. No. Okay. It was just that it wasn't even really, you didn't even have the baseline kind of understanding that you weren't as present as you could be. Oh God, no. I think, I think I had sort of a nature and a nurture thing against me. I think, I think I was never, it was not cultivated in my schooling and in my family culture to just relax and be present and just be in the moment and be with people in a non-striving way. And I think on the nurture, on the nature level, I think that I, I, I've learned more about this as I've learned about neurodivergent kids, that it can be really hard for some of us to, to just not constantly be in a state of fight or flight. That, 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 that some of us are just hardwired that way. And I think that I was, and I think that it wasn't until I experienced some deeper states of meditation and then brought that into my yoga practice, my asana practice, that I felt like, oh, oh my gosh, it's so nice to be here right now. And mm-hmm. the air feels really crisp and like my skin feels good. And I just somehow feel like I love the person sitting next to me and actually like myself and you say somehow love the person (laughs) (laughs) oh i wasn't talking about you i know i was talking about me at the age of 29 i know but i wanted to who did you love at 29 (laughs) you know vipassana love i know know? (laughs) um anyway so that sense of remembering the relaxation of the and the beauty of the present moment is why i still practice one of the reasons i still practice and I could keep talking about this, but no, I want to leave no, no, a little no. bit of yeah. space for all the other things we want to talk about. I'm not going to tell you what it's done for me lately, although I'm happy to talk about that too. But the the reason I still practice yoga after 25, 26, 27, I'm terrible at math, but a long time is because I still like it. Mm. Like I just genuinely still like it. <laughs> That's good. You know, like I still like the physicality of it. There's other things which I'll get to, but I'm going to stick with that right now, which I still like the physicality of it. It still helps me feel good in my body. Unlike 25 years ago, unlike 15 years ago, unlike 10 years ago, it's not the 
only way I physically express myself. It was for a long time, but there's other physical activities that I really love. And so I don't, when it comes to yoga, we all know yoga is much more than asana and much more than our physicality. However, when it comes to the physicality of my yoga, it is a really nice complement to the other things that I like to do with my body. And it still feels good. And where it doesn't feel good, now I know those things aren't right for me, right? So I'm going to give you a little example. We're talking about backbends recently, right? Backbends are still good for me, but a certain amount of a backbend is actually not good for me. It's never felt good. But now I actually have the clear understanding what amount of a backbend is good for me, what amount of a backbend is not actually good for my body. Mm -hmm. So it still feels good in my body. And when it doesn't feel good in my body, I realize, oh, I don't need to push this circle into a square. This is how my body is. I've been working with for some decades now and I can change gear. I think towards those really similar lines, my yoga practice has always been the asana component of my yoga practice has always been in response to other aspects of my life. So another way of saying this is my yoga practice is hugely adaptable. Yes. Or, and and I've always been happy to adapt my yoga practice to fit the shape of my life, right? So in weeks or days or years where I've wanted more robust intensity, it's there for me. Weeks or days or months or years where I want much more moderate, low-level intensity in my body, it's there for me. I, I don't I don't I've never really had only a singular way of working with my body in asana. And one more thing I'll say is I'm not able to self-modulate in any other physical thing that I do. Every other physical thing that I do, I do it to the absolute maximum. I do it like I'm still in high school playing hockey. But my yoga's not that way. Hmm. Yoga's always been an environment where it's really easy for me to back down and back off and go shorter, lighter, briefer, but still show up. Mm-hmm. Other ways of working with my body, I don't, I'm not as good at self-regulating in the moment. I'm either off or I'm on. I don't, I don't have like a level five. I have a level zero or a level 10. Mm-hmm. But yoga, I've always had that dial so I can, I can always adjust how I'm practicing and how intensely I'm practicing and what poses I'm practicing to meet my needs in the moment. So it still just feels good in my body. Hmm. Can you describe how it feels differently in your body versus other things? Or is the, is the crux of what you're trying to say that it's not just that it feels good, it's that it, it's complementary to wherever your body, whatever your body and mind need in the moment? Well, it's it's both. It feel, I think it feels good because... I do it in a way that reflects the state of my body at that moment. So if my body's really tired and achy and sore and stiff, I do a really mellow, gentle practice. I don't not show up, but I do something easy. If I have a lot of energy and my mind's racing or I'm agitated, I can work harder. So I can always, I can titrate the intensity to meet where I am. And so it always feels good. Because I have the skill of responsiveness in my yoga practice. Via my yoga practice, I can 
I can change my yoga practice to respond to my current state pretty well because I'm really good at it. Mm-hmm. And when I say I'm good at an asana practice, it doesn't mean that I'm good at doing dropbacks. I'm not. But I'm good at understanding how to regulate my body in a yoga practice to make things work and feel good. In can, terms I, can I give you a just a concise, it's built your self-awareness uh, to be able to respond to what you need? Yeah, it's built my self-awareness, but also it is a particular way of being physical that lends itself to responsiveness. Mm-hmm. Playing hockey doesn't. Mm-hmm. Training jujitsu doesn't. Yeah. Resistance training doesn't. Like, stay home if you're not... Like, those other ways of working with the body that I really like, they have a threshold of demand that doesn't change as much. Or you don't get as much out of them, right? Whereas in yoga, to me, you get as much out of a 15-minute seated meditation as you do 15 minutes of, like, a sweaty flow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you get as much out of the soft, subtle, surrendered quality of being in the body as you do the really robust, magnified quality of being in the body. And so I think it's it's both that yoga has helped me become more responsive, but also it's that the nature of the yoga practice is so adaptable mm-hmm. that it's... It changes with you. Mm-hmm. You change with it and it changes with you. Totally. Yeah. That's actually one of my main points. And because I've, similar to you, been practicing about that long, like over over two, 20 years. And the other day I was looking at social media and there was someone, a teacher around my age, and she had was wrote a post about how her practice has changed and she used to do, you know, like behind her head and all these things. And I was kind of inwardly, you know, smiling to myself because it's true and it just changes with you. And the the thing that's so great about it is that you don't even really have to think about it. No. It just, you know, if if you if you've practiced sort of continuously enough and long enough and I don't know that this sounds like judgmental but like deeply enough. Yeah. It's a tool where it just naturally adapts to where you are on that day or in that moment, or in that phase, like you said. I was looking back at some photos the other day, and right after breast cancer treatment, someone, my, I remember my friend Rachel saying to me, oh, are you doing a lot of restoratives? And and I was like, no. After radiation, I kind of recovered from the fatigue. I was like running on the treadmill from the first time in my life, and I was doing really intense asana. I was doing arm balances, and I was just doing all of it, really intense, because I wanted to feel alive. Because I felt alive. I wanted to feel really strong. And I did feel really strong. I got cancer out of my body. Like, I felt amazing. So, and that just happened naturally. That wasn't some conscious choice. And the way that I do things now, it just happens naturally. And and that is such a beautiful thing. So that's one one of my points, too, is just, it's almost like this beautiful, silent companion in your life. That you can that you just have at your disposal when you need it. So another example of that, you were sort of talking about how it it adapts to where you are physically. It's like that for me with whatever mental emotional things are going on right, too. Right, right. That that's that's I bake that into my yeah. Answer, yeah. But it's like sometimes I might just need to really just sit quietly 
with myself. If I'm not doing like, you know, regular meditation in that phase, I might know like, okay, it's time for me to start breathing consciously again. It's time for me to start these really, really quiet, quiet practices again, because they're just so nurturing. So not, not to get too far off the topic, but I wonder if, you know, because we're talking about responsiveness, right? And we're talking about yoga lends itself. The actual medium lends itself to us being responsive to need. But what I wonder is how much it is the nature of the practice versus just depth in that practice, right? So if we were sincere runners or swimmers or, you know, if we had some other embodied practice, for a couple of decades that we were committed to, that we had some expert level knowledge of, maybe then we would also know how to modulate those so mm-hmm. it stay with us. That's true. You know? That's true. I mean, I mean, so it's not to take anything away from yoga, but it's also, I, I do try to stay my best to, to not think that, you know, in, as yogis, we've cornered the market on knowing how to respond to the moment in our physicality. Yeah, and yeah. and that and that it's not the only mindful practice that you can do. So the next thing that comes up for me is right that first reason is cuz I still like it. The second reason is because I still need it. Because I actually still need this. Because of how my brain works and because of who I am both habitually and like my gene pool, I need things that help me self-regulate. And so the, the breathing components, right? That, that's where it comes up to me in terms of like, I still need it. I don't know that I absolutely need <clears throat> down dog. I still like it, so I'm going to keep doing down dog. But do I need down dog? I don't know. There's a lot of other things that I do that give me the mechanical advantages of that position. But when I do my yoga practice, I'm a really good, consistent breather. And that translates to all phases of my life of under stress, watching how my breath responds, and then using it as a regulatory device to try to not to spin out, to, you know, to disallow my mind from going too far in a direction. So it's a very, both yoga, but especially the breathing component of yoga is just a massive component not just of my own self-understanding and responsiveness, but it's it's hugely regulating. It's not the only thing that helps me stay regulated in my life, but yoga and the breathing of this practice is a cornerstone of my mental, physical, and emotional self-regulation. Mm-hmm. It's like the foundation. Yes. It's not that we get we don't ever get dysregulated, but it's like, if we didn't have that foundation, we would definitely be more prone to getting dysregulated 100%. On, a, on, a, on a regular basis. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Another reason for me is that it continues to help me to balance the type A parts of my personality. And I know that some people might not think I'm type A, but there is a lot of type A in me. Just a lot of like perfectionism and kind of always wishing that I got more done in a day, always wishing that I could do more, always wishing that I could have more time for creativity, be a better mother, all these things. And it's so I guess in that way, it that's the way that it helps me with self-regulation is that it just 
reminds me to slow the F down. Yeah. You know, it reminds me that not all of the best things come from accomplishing the most in a day or driving myself really hard or moving really fast or taking the longest, you know, walk or whatever it is. Just having a practice where a lot of it involves slowing down is amazing to me. Even now, you know, even now, of course, within the first five to 10 minutes of practice, and I, I still do like to practice to someone else. So like I've been doing Jack Workman on YouTube more lately. And it's like, within those first five to 10 minutes of him just moving a little bit more slowly, just breathing a little more consciously. I'm always like, oh yeah, that's right. Still, after all these years, it cracks me up that it's not well, just. I, I, well, I guess, how would that change? How would it not be the case? Like the macro features of your life and the macro features of the world you live in have not slowed down. Yeah, that's true. So we are not separate from those things. Yeah. We are not immune to those things. So, and we're not, yeah, we're not separate from those things. So we're bathed in this world of sensory overstimulation and that's not going away. So it doesn't matter. Like if you practice two hours a day, you still have 22 hours a day where you're probably being overstimulated. So it makes sense that, this is perpetual maintenance. I think going back to what I was saying about breathing too, is like we forget that the body and the brain is cyclical. Like we have all these daily cycles and then these macro and micro cycles. And so breathing is also a cyclical event, but it's a cyclical event that is easier to take the reins of than some of the other cyclical events. So changing the pace of your breath, intentionally slowing it down and smoothing it out is self-regulating in that it is that it changes the pace. So Mm -hmm. as you're talking about slowing down, slowing down in those first couple of minutes of Jack's class and realizing, man, I have really been amped up. That to me is the same as those first couple of slower, smoother, deeper breaths and just taking control of that, uh, of that inner pace, right? I don't know why I'm thinking this, and it's slightly off topic, but given that you were a very intense athlete when you were younger, you were... Was. Well, I mean, it's still... Look, actually, you still are. I mean, here's the thing. It's never too late to become a professional athlete. I'm just putting it out there. And what my understanding is you just put it out there. Oh, okay. And then it comes back. It's also never too late to be a world champion. And our dog is just dying well, that to is step true. on the on the that keyboard right now. But okay, so given yeah. that you were a competitive hockey player growing up, ice hockey player, and you have ADHD, do you think you ever could have guessed that you would do something like yoga or slower? Or no, I'm, just, I'm actually I didn't thinking about Sophia it. and how no. little she desires to do anything that we ever try to teach her about yoga. No. So I couldn't have imagined it, but there's an inordinate amount of things about life that I, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of things you only see and understand in the rear view mirror. It makes total sense, but it only makes sense in the rear view mirror. But you see, I still crave other ways of being in the body in ways that have more contact or combat to them mm-hmm. because that 
those are itches that an, an asana practice doesn't crave mm-hmm. or it doesn't, it doesn't scratch. It doesn't scratch. Mm-hmm. Another reason that I still do this practice is because I teach it mm. is because I teach it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, hopefully this, well, it'll come across however it comes across. I don't have incredible aspirations for my skill level as a yoga asana practitioner, but I do as a yoga teacher. For me, my heels don't come to the floor in downward facing dog. I don't care. Nothing could interest me less than the reality that my heels don't come to the floor. Even though every time I see you, I snicker and point. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. the whole world does. Yeah. But I would care if I didn't know why my heels don't come to the floor or the different reasons why different people's heels don't come to the floor and no, it's not just a function of calf tightness. So for me, I, because I've always wanted to be a teacher, I just care about expert level understanding. And I'm not an expert in anything other than yoga. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Like, I, you, I, like I'm not. Like I'm, there's plenty of things I'm good at. There's a lot of things I am not good at, but I am not an actual subject matter expert in anything other than yoga. So I'm all in. I'm all in. And, and the other thing, kind of going back to me when I was younger, skateboarding, right? There was the big thing. I don't know exactly why, although I kind of think I know. In the yoga world, there was the, or excuse me, in the skateboarding world forever was the no posers. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. no posers. Like you don't get to do this unless you are this. You don't get to pretend that you're this unless you are this. So I have a huge internal thing with me of no posers. I will not teach a subject matter that I am not an expert of. Now, I taught a subject matter that I was not an expert of for a really long time, yoga, <laughs> right? Because it takes, a, it takes a long time, right? It takes a really long time. So it's not like I'm saying to everyone, hey, you need to be an expert before you teach the thing. Good luck. That's never going to happen. Because so much of our education as yoga teachers is on the job. But it's also on the job through our own study. And so for me, staying engaged with my practice, I'm actually in it. I'm not going to ask my students to do things if I'm not on that leading edge of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's through, it's through my visceral understanding of embodiment and the philosophical parameters of the yoga tradition that I can actually teach it. And I just, you know, like I wouldn't go out and teach like car maintenance because I can put, barely put gas in the thing. You know what I mean? But I, last little bit on this, everyone, which is for a long time, when you first become a teacher, when you first become a teacher, it really throws off your own practice. It really throws it off in so many incalculable ways. But in the long run, they're best friends. They, they, they get in each other's way for a period of time, but in the long run, continuing to be a teacher, it helps you stay interested in continuing to grow your scope and your depth of knowledge and your ability to relate to people. It's really true. It's really true. I feel the same way about the podcast, that it both keeps me engaged and interested, and then staying engaged and interested feeds the podcast. So, I mean, it is hard to marry the passion in your life with what you do for a living, but there are extreme upsides and 
that's, that's, that's you and me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to continue this conversation in another episode because we I, are, we are, I told I you that before reasons, we man. started. I, I got three reasons why I do this. <laughs> you did not. I know. I know. I, anyway, I got countless. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to continue this in another episode. And until then, think about your reasons that you do yoga and that you continue this practice. And put it out there for me to become a professional athlete because I'm putting it out there myself. It doesn't feel like it's enough. Well, we've talked about... I need some real meta. Years ago, we talked about football, meaning UK football. But you've moved on from that My cardio is not there. (laughs) (laughs) Nor are your kicking skills. Nor are my good looks. Those guys are so good looking. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it is with professional soccer. And F1. Formula One too. I know. Well, that's 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 a little. That's like there's only twenty people. There's only twenty seats. Then that that's a whole different thing. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll unpack that on a, on a later episode. Okay. If you enjoy the podcast, please go and subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or many other places where you get your podcasts. I'm trying to get it up on Amazon Music. I'll let you know when that happens. And as always, it's great if you can share the podcast because then I see it and I know that you've enjoyed that one and leave a rating and review. Okay. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Until next week, enjoy your practice.